On Friday morning of this last week, I was uh, catching up on uh, the news of the week, and I was subjected to Black Friday advertisements. One of the ads that I saw was for a luxury SUV. Uh, It has a family driving in Southern California. You can tell that it's Southern California because there are palm trees, there's a cactus, there's the bright sun, there's even a lizard in the advertisement. But the family is driving in a snowstorm. And so the ad says, put this SUV on your Christmas wish list. Which reminds me of how philosopher Dallas Willard defined hope different from a wish, not a wish. Willard said that hope is the confident anticipation of good. It's distinguishable from a wish because a wish is simply unlikely to happen, right? As unlikely as a snowstorm in Southern California. That's not true of hope. Hope involves confidence, the confident anticipation of good. So today we focus on hope as a gift of Christmas. And as people of the Christmas story, we are confident that love wins. Our scripture passage today is from Luke's gospel. But before I read from the gospel of Luke, I want to ask you to pray the Shema with me because this is what Jesus would have done every day and especially before the scriptures were read. So would you stand as you are able and let's pray this prayer together. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. The scripture passage from Luke chapter 21, I'm going to begin with verse 25. Jesus said, there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth, distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. Well, I am confident that you will recognize this painting. This painting is one of the most recognizable and it is one of the most reproduced 
arts, art, pieces of artwork in our time. It is Vincent van Gogh's Starry Night. The original resides in a museum in New York City, the Museum of Modern Art. It was donated by one of the founders of that museum. Starry Night was painted in 1889 when Van Gogh spent a year in southern France in an asylum, a small asylum. There were only 41 patients, and it was rather progressive for that particular time. Uh, therapy was considered to be in music and in art and in gardening, and Van Gogh painted at least 150 different pieces during his year in southern France. Well, I wonder what you see when you look at Van Gogh's Starry Night. Do you see the turmoil in the sky? That activity in the sky takes up most of the canvas, almost three-quarters of the space. The swirling of the cosmos and the pulsing light from the moon and the stars. When you look at this piece of artwork, do you see the village? There are houses nestled in the valley, practically embraced by the mountains. There is a church steeple that breaks the horizon formed by the mountains. And the light in the houses almost balances out the light in the sky. Do you see the cypress tree? It's hard to miss. <laughs> it's up front, the close-up view of the cypress tree. The cypress is a symbol of death in the Mediterranean culture. And this is evident to you and to me when we visit a cemetery. There are usually cypress trees in cemeteries even today. All of these things are present in Van Gogh's Starry Night. And I would tell you all these things are present in Luke chapter 21. The passage begins with these words. There will be signs. In the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth, distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the seas and the waves, heaven and earth will pass away. And yet, as Luke 21 progresses, there are words of comfort that are nestled into the turmoil. Look to the fig tree, Jesus says, and all the trees, the kingdom of God is near. And then finally, in Luke 21, there is honesty. There is honesty about the upheaval, about the distress and the sorrow that is in the forefront. People will faint from fear and foreboding. The powers will be shaken. Hearts are weighed down with worry. Luke chapter 21 is an apocalyptic text. It's not the only passage of its kind in the Gospels. It's not the only passage of its kind in the Bible. There's Daniel and Ezekiel and Revelation and Isaiah and Joel. They all have apocalyptic verses or you can classify the entire book as Revelation because that's what the word apocalyptic means. It means to be revealed or to be uncovered. In this particular kind of literature that is both in and outside of the Bible, a truth is uncovered. A truth that has always been true, but has remained unseen. Rob Bell makes the point 
that apocalyptic truth is hard won hope. This is hope that is uncovered because there is upheaval. It's hope that is uncovered because there is sorrow. We get to this hope very honestly because we have to survive the struggle to get there. We don't give up. We keep our eyes open. So this hope is not shallow. It's not superficial. It's truth that is revealed during a very tumultuous time. And Rob Bell thinks that together, you and I are in the midst of a period of time of uncovering hopeful truth during this pandemic time. It could be so. It has been rather tumultuous. And I do wonder what are the hopeful truths that I will tell my grandchildren about this time? What will I tell them that I now know that I didn't know a couple of years ago? Will I tell them that the many heroes among us are in the medical field and in the service industry? Will I tell them that I learned that interdependence is really true, it's really a thing, that I learned that I need people, that I need you, and I don't need things so much? Luke 21 has a traumatic setting. You see, it's right before the story of the crucifixion. In fact, Jesus' very last parable is told in these verses that I read. He says, look to the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. In just a few verses, a few short verses and just five verses, Judas will go to the chief priests and Judas will talk to the chief priests of betrayal. And it's not too long, maybe just a generation, when the Jerusalem temple will be destroyed by the Romans. Now Luke will write this gospel narrative after the destruction of the temple, 10 to 20 years after. So to me, it's not surprising that the very last thing that Luke tells us before the story of the crucifixion and the resurrection is that there are deep and hopeful truths that can be uncovered, even in times of sorrow, even in times of destruction, maybe especially in times of destruction, and especially in times of sorrow and pain. Well, here's what I think Luke has seen and what Luke expects us to see. Two things, two truths. The first is that good will prevail. Good will win. The Son of Man comes with power and great glory. The epic tale uh, by J.R.R. Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, is an apocalyptic tale. It's apocalyptic movie, an apocalyptic uh, epic story. You might remember the, the movie, uh, The Two Towers, which I think is the second movie. There is a scene between uh, Frodo and Sam uh, that speaks of the tumultuous battle. It's where Frodo is really run down after the battle and he's ready to give up. He just says to Sam, I can't go on after this battle. And Sam responds, you know, it's all wrong. 
We shouldn't be here, but we are. And Sam goes on to say, sometimes, you know, I think of the great stories, the ones that really matter, that are full of darkness and danger. Sometimes you didn't know, you didn't want to know how those stories would end, how the world could go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened. But in the end, it was only a passing thing, the shadow. Those are the stories that meant something. They kept going because they were holding on to something. And then Frodo says to Sam, what are we holding on to? And Sam says that there's good in this world and that that good is worth fighting for. When we follow the way of Jesus, we commit ourselves to understanding that love prevails. And that's why we keep at it. That's why we stay in the fight. That's why we love one another. Because we know that in the end, good prevails and love wins. The second deep and hopeful truth of Luke chapter 21 is that life is bigger than me. God is working on a cosmic scale. Preacher Fred Craddock wrote about this text. The human heart is too small a screen on which to cast God's grand scene. What God is up to is so much bigger than am I saved or do you believe? When Paul wrote to the Romans, he wrote these words in chapter 8. The present suffering is nothing compared to the coming glory that is going to be revealed to us. The whole creation waits breathless with anticipation for the revelation. And then Paul went on to say, if we see what we hope for, it isn't hope. Who hopes for what they already see? But if we hope for what we don't see, we wait for it with patience. What I really like about what both Paul and Luke have to say about hope, about the uncovering of truth, is that they admit that it's something that we do together. It's a group activity. Luke, building on the image of the woman who is broken, the woman who is hunched over for 18 years for life that Jesus heals earlier in the gospel. Luke writes, when these tumultuous things happen, when they begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads. Plural, heads, not just one, because we're in this together. Henry Nouwen wrote that Christian community is the place of hope. Marriages and friendships and churches are where we trust a spiritual power that is in us when we're together. So hope allows us to live without surrendering to despair. Hope allows us to continue on and we do hope the way that we hope is together. It's a group activity. Well, I suppose that the classic question for apocalyptic literature is when? <laughs> when are these things going to happen? When will this take place? When will we see the Son of Man coming in a cloud? Jesus' words to his listeners are soon, this generation, be alert. What does this mean? It's tripped up greater preachers than myself. 
<laughs> we are at my house this week. Uh, besides celebrating Thanksgiving, we are also watching back-to-back episodes of The Office. <laughs> and there's an episode where Pam is installing a new copier and Kevin impatiently asks Pam, is it ready yet? And Pam says, no, soon. And Kevin then asks, well, when is soon? Soon could be in three minutes. Soon could be in three weeks from now. And Pam says, Kevin, three weeks? Is that soon to you? What is soon? I can't give you a definite answer. But I can tell you that it's been my experience that revelation is always present. Truth is always there to be uncovered. The issue is, am I alert? Are my eyes open enough to see it? Am I in relationship with other people who encourage me to hope? Maybe the divine fingers are always crossed thinking soon she'll get it, soon she'll open her eyes. I know it'll happen soon. I do wonder, when are these stability-shattering things not taking place in my world? Because gosh, it seems like the ground and the skies tremble before me more often than not. So I think we wait. We wait and we hope together. And we trust that God will lead us to a new age, a new understanding, again and again and again. Would you pray with me? Eternal God, we confidently anticipate your goodness to show itself everywhere. Yet there are places in our lives where we cannot see it, where your goodness is hidden from us. And so we are in need of revelation. We are in need of an uncovering soon. Lord, would you come in a way that is clear and is bright, like on a cloud, that we may spot your truth with wonder and awe. This Advent season, reveal to us hope that we do not now see. Amen.